Hello everyone, welcome back to Spill the Bee, the Kent Business School podcast. Today's episode is all about women in business and today we're joined by a bunch of amazing women and I'm really really excited to have a conversation um, around women in business around certain topics, um, the gender pay gap, how what businesses are, how it is to be a woman in business. So I'm going to start off by letting my podcast guests introduce themselves. So if I want to start off with Melody. Okay, um, I never know how to do introductions. I always feel like I'm on like a talk show or something, but my name's Melody. I graduated from Kent last, no, two months ago. So not last month, two months ago, I studied social sciences. Right now I work for LinkedIn. I'm on their business leadership program, um, business leadership program graduate program. And I'm also a writer. And I don't actually know if you wanted me to say all that, but I just kind of went with it anyway. (laughs) No, Um, that's amazing. (laughs) Congratulations on graduating as well. Thank thank you. Thank you so much. Um, And I'll pass it on to Laura. Hello. Uh, Thanks for having us, by the way. What a lovely, lovely um, dynamic and energy. So thank you for uh, inviting me and sharing the space with um, all of you, because that's always wonderful. I'm always grateful for other people's energy. Um, I am a, well, this is always a strange one. So I mentor women in business and I shoot fashion photography. Um, I really like actually only shoot women empowerment stuff now. Um, I've just sort of transitioned transitioned into that fully. Um, And it just, yeah, as I'm aligning more and more and more in my higher purpose, I understand where I sit and what to say yes and no to, which is super exciting. Um, I have nine years of business experience. So, um, yeah, I've built businesses for nine years um, from scratch, created seven-figure revenue, but that's the boring bit. Um, the bit that I love the most is what we can do for women and how we're all moving forward. And that's it, really. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. And now I'll pass it on to Catherine. Um, okay, hello. My name is Kate, and I'm currently an international business student at the University of Kent. I will be going into my third year this September, so only a few more weeks left. Um, so I'm pretty much a newbie when it comes to being in business, so I am looking forward to hearing all the knowledge and wisdom from all the experienced people here today. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and then I'll move on to Samantha. Hello everyone, it is lovely to be here and, uh, and to, uh, to be talking about something so very important. So thanks Saeed for setting this up. Um, so I'm a lecturer at the business school. Uh, I'm a lecturer in human resource management. I've been um, at Kent Business School since 2003. But the reason, main, one of the main reasons I'm here is I'm the quality, diversity and inclusion lead for the school. So this is quite a newly created role um, and uh, that I've taken on. And uh, we're very committed to gender equality. So I've just been working on a big equality project, gender equality project, got our theme Swan Bronze. So uh, want to continue the good work. Um, and a lot of my research is around equality, diversity. So it's something I feel really passionate about and something that you want to raise the profile for. So it's, it's brilliant to be here. That's amazing. Some amazing work is all you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and then I'll finally, it's Deborah. Yeah, thanks ever so much for inviting me. As um, everyone said, it's, it's super exciting and lovely to be with such you know, great, enthusiastic people about women in business. 
So I uh, run my own business, Deborah Turner Limited. So uh, I'm a chartered surveyor. I have a kind of passive project business as well. But more importantly, I think particularly for today's conversation, I'm the national lead for the Federation of Small Businesses for Women in, in Enterprise. We call it Women in Enterprise, Women in Business. It's essentially the same thing. Uh, and yeah, we've been working on some interesting stats and um, campaigns to promote and uh, really kind of encourage more women into business. So that's why it's super exciting that the business school are all over it and engaged. So thank you for asking me. No, of course, it's our pleasure. And I'm really excited about this diverse group of women I have with me today because all your opinions are going to be so so uh, invaluable to us and I think it's going to be a great learning experience for anyone listening so I'm going to start it off with women's role in business and you know climbing the job ladder as a woman I personally don't have that experience being a man so I would love to hear your uh, everyone's experience if anyone would like to start off happy to have a very quick uh, so basically as a chartered surveyor so when I started uh, some time ago let's say not how many quite how many years so only two percent at the time um, of chartered surveyors were women when I started um, training to be a surveyor so massively male-dominated industry it was very much an um, old boys club and it was I have to say pretty tough I, I suspect a lot of that was self-imposed I think women often kind of go into um, male-dominated environments and, and feel as if they have to overprove, they have to overachieve. Often that is particularly the case, but I think we are susceptible to putting extra pressure on ourselves. But absolutely, I did the whole, I've got to be one of the boys, I've got to fit in. So I truly did leave my femininity at home. I absolutely kind of wasn't the true me. And I think Laura sort of spoke about her, you know, now knowing who she is and what she believes and, and what her true purpose is. And I don't think it's until you really kind of step in and own your own femininity and your own power as a, as a woman leader and a woman in business that you actually get the results because it's our femininity that gives us, you know, the power and the talent to really kind of strive. Yeah. have to say, um, in 2021, there's still only 10% of um, chartered surveyors are women. So I really do want to kind of champion the whole, let's encourage more women to step into kind of not only enterprise, but certainly some of those more male-dominated careers. So that's certainly been my experience, but I know I'm probably a lot older than some of the others on this call. So I'm hoping, and I am seeing change in the workplace, I am. Um, but I think, as I say, we have got to kind of empower ourselves as well. 100%. Thank you so much for that. Um, Laura, would you like to add anything? Yeah, for sure. That was really lovely. Thank you for sharing that, Deb. Like, honestly, like, it is so, so true, isn't it? And it's funny you should mention that, um, the way that you feel and it's sort of that on guard feeling. And I feel like where there has been such a long, long line of oppression, this is the sort of place we're in today where we're actually a lot of the the female entrepreneurs that I sort of work with or business owners I work with or just female leaders within a workplace there is so much masculine energy in them and this is where I actually think like Debbie you just touched on it and I think it's so interesting it's such an interesting thing that how we're now moving into that because how we're in this current age and there are more voices and there are we are listened to and there is more conversation and you know the well just the um the 
wow why can't I think of the word not the website the web the web has brought us together like there's been such a movement between like that gen x of people born in like the 50s 60s moving through to like millennials in the 30s age and now I mean gen z blow my mind like how wise you are at such a young age but and, and like I feel like I'm still young too <laughs> so like and I'm 32 by the way so so I feel like there's such a crazy diversion but what I do honestly see and I think where I see the most movement and change is that as we feel more safer and heard, we can be more feminine. And absolutely, Debbie, I think that's exactly it. That's when we actually understand that that is our true power. And as we move forward, the masculine will also benefit from that. You know, when, when we are allowed to be heard, but we're not oppressed for being emotional and that's not used against us or we're not, you know, and all of those things. And I think that's what's super exciting because I think these conversations and this um, environment is what's changing that I will be honest that obviously I'm sort of more from a background of I'm less of the corporate world of being within it and moving up that chain but I did start as a director in a property industry at 23 where I did hold white privilege and I did hold pretty privilege and you know I was severely objectified and I didn't know how to navigate that and I wasn't heard and and, and, you know, and now, and then I so said, all I had to do is bring this masculinity towards it. But like now I understand in reflection and the reason why I am in my higher purpose now is because I'm excited to be the woman that I never had for those young women that are trying to navigate this still. And they're still not quite heard or they're, you know, they're not sure on how they navigate those conversations. And I am still aware that there are a lot of problems still in the workplace for predatory behavior from the male. Um, and, and as you said, I definitely think we're in a place where it's positive and it's changing, but it's just giving those women tools I'm really truly passionate about at a young age to understand how you navigate those conversations and actually what, what your boundaries are as a woman, you know? 100%, thank Sorry, you so much. Sorry, it went a bit on a tangent there, <laughs> but like, yeah, as I say, like I've not really got so much experience in that bit, but I see it from the other side, I guess. Girls, don't apologize. We love tangents on this podcast, honestly. And that's where we get our best content. Um, I'd love to hear Samantha's opinion as well as being a lecturer, especially in the equality and diversity. Yeah. Well, I suppose I can talk about it from two sides because, uh, you know, I myself have my own career and I work in a very male dominated area. Um, mm. So um, in, in the business school or in business schools in general, only about a third of lecturers tend to be women and, uh, and you don't find many female professors or it's, you know, they're very uh, scarce. So over my kind of extensive, I, say, I don't like, I like that, but I don't like to say quite how many years, but I've had quite, you know, quite a number of years experience now of working in the sector and trying to navigate that and looking at the very male dominated norms uh, for success a very long working hours culture you know very very uh, sort of tangible performance orientated and um, women tending to be given those kind of more nurturing roles and pastoral roles and teaching roles that aren't as rewarded necessarily in, in um, university and higher education and trying to challenge it from two ways really trying to to show or give women opportunities to um, progress and succeed in those more male dominated areas Um, but also trying to encourage employers to recognize the value of that femininity that and those those um, sort of attributes that women bring uh, to the workplace and and to the sector so I see it from that perspective and it's still very very challenging Um, and you know we are making inroads and there's recognition at least 
that this is an issue. So that's the Athena Swan Award um, that I spoke about that I led, you know, Kent Business School's application for. That was a recognition that, you know, gender equality needed to be addressed, needed to be acknowledged and, and needed work in the sector. Um, so, you know, it's great for any school that, that, you know, goes for that because it really highlights, you know, the issues and the challenges. But then I've got the other side where I, I do, I, up with the research, I do my own research. And it's interesting to hear you talking about women being able to bring, you know, their, their, their feminine side to work or being comfortable to do that. And the work on leadership is, shows that actually the more successful leaders are the ones um, that you would, are the traits or the most, what you would most commonly associated with women you see absolutely In, I agree but but ironically what is rewarded and valued still in many organizations are still very masculine traits yeah and so I think women are, are um, you know we're at quite a juxtaposition here and uh, and it's a great opportunity for women but um that they can have the opportunity to demonstrate those those leadership skills that they will perhaps more naturally be better at um, and challenge those cultural norms and those cultural norms are, are what's really challenging and the research is showing that you know in in leadership in entrepreneurs um, we've got I've got a colleague, Dr. Professor Patricia Lewis, who does work on mumpreneurs, and uh, you know women are still having to be quite masculine at work, um, and uh, and any kind of feminine attributes that they bring are not as highly valued, even though their chances are they'll get better performance from the organisation uh, the organisation and they'll perform better in their role. So it's really interesting to, to experience it and, and also kind of research and look at the research that colleagues do in this. And there's no easy answer. And I think there is still, unfortunately, a long way to go. No, 100%. That, those are some really interesting conversations. I think it's so true that women have so much power to them just the attributes that they hold themselves i i personally have grown up around very strong independent women my mom herself being a single mom like i've grown with that and i've learned from her so i i kind of view it as, as this point like nothing about a woman is her weakness like everything that a woman does every attribute that she has and every uh, the emotional side the practical side you know the resilience everything it all works so well together and it's really their power and their strength so thank you so much for those points um i want to also ask melody and kate as being recently graduated and almost graduating like you guys are going into the working world um you know started new jobs what do you feel is has been your experience so far and what challenges do you think you're facing in the future? I think for me my experience has been as someone who actually is Gen Z or Gen Z it's been so different to what I think the experience of women in the past has been. I grew up in a very very female dominated household so for me the standard of strength was femininity. For me strength, the resilience and like you said Zaid, everything that I thought was great and powerful was feminine it was associated with women and I think in the past 20 years girls outperform boys in school by a vast amount so growing up in school outside of school I just always saw like women as being 
I don't want to say the superior gender, but I always saw us as leaders. I never felt like we were at a disadvantage. And I also think being a black African woman as well and being um, the child of like immigrants and stuff, I think in my community, women have always been so entrepreneurial. I think um, through migration, you know, women would start hair businesses, they would start babysitting um, services, they would do clothes, they would sew, they would do so many different things. But as an adult now, I look back and I think, okay, the reason that people don't see them as business owners or entrepreneurs is because they're women and everything that they do is associated with the feminine. It's just like today, um, girls who do YouTube and makeup and fashion, they're never seen as like geniuses, like being an IG, um, being an Instagram influencer is never seen as anything that's very um, tough or people don't really give it enough credit because it's associated with women. But with men, men can be gamers and they can be seen as like, oh yeah, he's really, really made coin for himself. And I feel like, only now can I recognize how, despite being gen said, despite the progress that we've made as a society, I think this um, discrepancy, discrepancy, this disparity between what it means to be a leader and what it means to be a woman, it's just, it doesn't really add up. And I think studying social sciences actually really opened up a lot of things for me because I was, even though I didn't personally experience it, I started to understand that, for example, Um, in the world of work, moving out of education to employment, women are more likely to experience imposter syndrome. They're more likely to not feel like they belong in a workplace. They're more likely to think I'm too inexperienced, whereas men can literally have like two two GCSEs and think I should be the manager of this company and they will go for it and they'll be fine with it. They also know how to negotiate pay. They will ask for more money, whereas women, because of how we're socialized, will not do that. So I say all that to say my experience is still ongoing. And I think um, the company that I work for, my employers are very, very diversity, um, inclusion and belonging driven. So as a woman, I never feel like I'm at any disadvantage. I know that I'm getting the same pay as my male equivalents. So um, yeah. That's nice to hear. 100%, yeah. I really appreciate it. Really that. That's brilliant to hear. Thank you so Definitely. much for that. And Kate? Um, Yes, I think I completely agree with everything Melody was saying. In this present age, things have definitely changed from the past. It's definitely, I would say, much easier for women to get themselves in a certain employment and get themselves into a certain level. But I do feel that the higher you get, the harder it becomes. So entry-level positions, for example, would be easy for a woman to get into. But if she wanted to, let's say, get to the CEO position or get herself into sort of the Um, senior management team it becomes more difficult with various what we call subtle excuses like oh um, in a couple years you might be getting kids so you might want to come out in a couple years your husband may be the one who we promoted and he may be relocated and you might want to relocate with him so actually we shouldn't give you this position so I think that's right now what we're kind of looking more into it's not really about entering it but it's about getting there and getting as far as you can and this is even seen in education I remember one of my modules that we did we were talking about business leaders and each team was supposed to present on a business leader I think there was just about two teams that picked women you know two teams that picked a woman as their leader to present on and it was just about the difficulty of finding those women finding information about those women and even just about recognizing that they are powerful in what they're doing and they are doing things that are as capable as men are doing as well 
personally, for me, I would say that in my family, I think like Melody, I did grow up with a very um, strong mother. I did have a father in my life, but my mother was very strong and she was very into business. She was very into getting out there, taking the risk and doing all those things. So I think it's just about getting those role models within our personal lives, within the education and getting people to see that there is a way to get in and there is a way to also get as far as you want to and not have somebody stop you from getting there. 100%. That, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Um, I think it's so true finding those role models in your personal life and especially women because it, they, they, as I said before, they have so much power to them and I completely agree with every single point that's been raised. Um, I know my privilege being a man that I wouldn't have to face many of the disparities that women have to face in the workplace, um, especially, you know, the gender pay gap. Um, climbing up promotions you know even getting the job there's so many different factors that come into play and a lot of these factors aren't really taken into account in terms of the legal part of it I think that's where a lot of the work is being done now to make it more uh, accessible more equal and to ensure that women and men have a level playing field uh, that they're not treated differently just because of their gender because any job can be done by a woman or a man regardless you know as long as those people have the skills, uh, they can do anything. I think that's the best part about having this conversation is to really understand how women were thought to be at some point that they're not as good as men. You know, that was, that was, the, that was the perception. And that's never been true. It was just a societal perception that, you know, was imposed on us from a very young age and it's been generational. It's kept on going on and on. I think it's now we're really come to the point where we're breaking those barriers and breaking those generational walls and understanding that we're all equal at the end of the day. And for me personally as well, I, as I said, my mom is one of the strongest people I know and she's my role model in life as well. You know, she's a strong woman in business. She is independent. She's worked her way up and uh, being Asian, being growing up in an Asian country where there's a massive disparity between how a man is treated and how a woman is treated seeing how hard my mom had to work to just be able to get a job or to you know provide food put food on the table to get you know a roof over our heads that type of stuff like you really see the struggle that women go through and I'm truly honored to have all you strong women here providing your opinions and really helping educate people out there so thank you all so much for your opinions it's interesting to see just touching on what you said and actually like it's really interesting having this overview of so many like wonderful stories and upbringings because it's interesting isn't it as well as you say it's like almost like all of our before you're sort of let out into the world it's almost like all we know is what we've seen around us or our upbringing and what's so interesting Melody and like what you were saying about how obviously that the struggles of a migrant family coming over you were brought up with such a powerful woman as a mother because it was almost survival her entrepreneurial skills at that point were like we this is it and you know I know what it's like to have nothing and we are going for it all and we will have a beautiful life and this is for my family and that's what's so encouraging and incredible. And then that's what leads you into the product of you, who you are today. And it's the same for yourself, see. And, you know, what's interesting is for myself, like I grew up from, I guess, a typical white background where actually my dad was the provider and my mum was the human giver and she was at home caring for us. So I grew up with that interpretation. 
So when I stepped into this place of I knew from a young age I wanted to lead and I wanted to be an owner and I wanted to be a director. And it was like I I literally only went through the school system and had that encouragement because my mum and dad sent me like, you know, they they always encouraged me in my journey and love, but they didn't have the skill set. They, they didn't show me anything different to what this systemic problem presents, you know, and that's what's really interesting, understanding that before school and background and it was like that's where I do generally believe when I look back the school system wasn't designed for me especially as a woman you know mm-hmm. like it just wasn't like, and that's incredibly is it isn't it incredibly insightful like you see the change now when you know I'm I'm 32 but there was no entrepreneurial stuff like I've done a GCC in business which like would, would is just like not helpful at all like after nine years of experience and and again it's just like we're all learning together but it just it's so interesting it's interesting to see your side of stuff Samantha like it really is like understanding that side of stuff and it's so encouraging to hear how much is being put forward into schools now and allowing people to basically not be let down by the system you know I just didn't fit into the system and I don't think we're designed to be put in boxes at all anything that we do we're not you know, and it's such a hard thing at a young age to decide to make a big decision on one thing. But I just really encourage people in a place of happiness and fulfillment is to just try stuff. There's such an art in quitting. That's such mm-hmm. a strength to be able to say, no, this isn't for me and move forward. And as you say, I, I completely agree, Catherine, as well. Your point's so interesting around it's, it's when you get to the higher chain of the ladder like I have one client who's being mentored by me at the minute to try and make she wants to step into her own business and she actually leads a corporation in Canada and it's a multi-billion pound industry of steel and it's just the top line is all men and she has these open conversations with me and she's like you know she's she's become a director at 36 and it's been unheard of apparently in this industry in her sector but she said the most struggling thing is making the men feel secure she said, all of my bosses, I have to CC constantly. I have to constantly be silenced to my bosses still, you know, and, and this is what's interesting. It's like how we move forward. And I think it starts at re-education. I think it's re-educating, especially men. Well, everybody at a young, young age to understand that the reasoning may be why, like you say, Z, why they would pick a men's group to be in. Sorry, Catherine, you brought that up as opposed to a a guys group to see what I mean like why why they're conditioned you know it all comes back down to how we're programmed isn't it and what we've seen off our parents we're actually that's why I think where the questioning and the reconditioning has to start now I think it's wider society isn't it we're living in a very patriarchal society and so trying to challenge that is is really difficult absolutely you're so right it's like who writes the curriculum you know, and who makes it look at our government you know absolutely barely any women in power in our government well that's so interesting you know in the commons there was only 19 percent women in 92 mm-hmm. so you know we're at about i think we're at about 35 percent now but again is it, it yeah. again i it's wonder how many enough. people are black or people of color you know it's still that game yeah. of oh well, we're happy you're here yeah. but be quiet so it's like it is, it is interesting, but that's why I'm so excited about these conversations and us women and these interceptions within the school and environment, because I think if I just heard one speaker at the age of 18 that I resonated with, I would have been like, oh my God, that's it. And I would have felt encouraged. It was just, I didn't hear any women mm-hmm. talking 
around me at, at a young age there wasn't podcast there wasn't the the internet even really there wasn't we had like encyclopedias and stuff yeah. we had a bit of dial up <laughs> but even that's funny like you wouldn't know what that is it like it's so funny but yeah sorry no. it's, again a bit of a tangent but I'm so I'm so excited about how schools are changing because uh, well just how they're adding this variety of an um, education for people to think beyond what they're being served in the curriculum as well. 100%. And yeah, they are to a certain extent, but um, are to a certain extent, but there's a lot more on traditional kind of education now. So there, I think there's a bit more box making than there was, to be honest. In Do school. you? I've got children at various levels of schooling, right from nursery up to secondary school. And uh, yeah, and I feel there's, a, there's you know, a lot less opportunity to, to be creative and different. I don't know whether Catherine and Melody agree or not, Melody's nodding, but um, I think it's a concern, yeah, um, in that sense and trying to find your way and trying to value um, your, you know, what you do and what you can bring um, because so much is on academic skills now. Um, I think schools are, we've been working you know, quite, um, widely with schools trying to get that influence of considering um, entrepreneurship at a young age because as everybody said actually it's you know it's that uh, wider society that where you're seeing kind of how uh, people are influenced and the schools unfortunately are, are greatly constrained by not only the curriculum but by finances particularly where you know, you have now academy trusts. And so, yes, they're in charge of their own um, finances and their kind of own, own economic benefit. But because they're so tied into having to achieve results and results are driven by um, academic achievement. Mm -hmm. And so there's a massive gap between um, academic achievement and what the, the world of work requires. And so we're talking to you know we're, we're having the conversation but it's like how do we actually actually influence that education system and so as a result you have got as you exactly described Laura, so although things have changed and they are changing but it's not fast enough because mm -hmm. those kids are being influenced by their immediate environment which is their parents and their parents friends and perhaps their neighbors and so if they live in a community that might be deprived or might be um kind of you know they're not exposed to women achieving or black people achieving or people who they do not see on a regular basis achieving they're not exposed to role models at that young age they just continue down that silo that um you know you you experienced and and kind of many others continue to experience because that wider they are not exposed to a wider environment so the whole aspect of we've all every one of us so far have mentioned role models and you know i can't emphasize enough the importance of getting women in any position that they're in to actually talk about it, to showcase, to be visible, because unfortunately in the past, women have been perhaps not encouraged to be visible. And so kids Absolutely. don't realize that they can be whatever the hell they want to be. I mean, today on the radio, sorry, another tangent, sorry, but today on the radio, they, had, they were talking to the first female um, referee to do men's football. It's 2021, and she's the yeah. first. Woman. I mean, yeah. been playing football, they've been achieving in football. But you mm -hmm. sort of think, crikey, you know, we've had to, you know, we're, we're, here we are, and we're, cele we're celebrating the fact, but of course, we've got to celebrate it. But you think, if, if that's only happening now, you know, our kids at school are still, they're still influenced by the same things that, you know, we all were 20, 30, 40 years ago. So, um, as, as Samantha said, 
things are changing, but not quickly enough. And it's it's how how can we really start influencing those kids at five, six, seven, not at eighteen. I completely agree I think that's some great points there as well because you know growing up um, the education system kind of failed us in a sense you know it's been failing us because I I can barely remember more than three four strong female figures that we were taught in school you know in history it was all about oh the men did this the men did that you know Um, about everything everything was so male dominated you barely had any female role models you know even coming up into school your teachers as well like we had so many female teachers that we wouldn't learn about female figures which is the weirdest thing and then as you were talking about sports right about the first woman referee in sports in general there's a massive disparity between men and women just look at football itself male football is so heavily funded it's so uh, looked up at like oh it's the best sport in the world it has so much money everyone watches it fifa world cup everything and then women's football the exact same sport the exact same thing the same rules everything yet it doesn't have even a quarter of the same funding which is the maddest part to me and i think but it's That's also where... not valued, Saeed, is it? If you, exactly. you know, obviously we've just had the Euros and we're talking about, you know, the most successful English football team. And I and I kept saying, and my daughters kept adding as well, a, a male football team, because actually mm-hmm. the women have, all, have done much better. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just then, it's just not valued. And this this is something, you know, we see in, in culture, so in sports, in media, um, and is replicated in, in our businesses, which is why women have to find the challenges they do and I think interesting as well on that point it's almost a bit like where we are catching up and where we're moving forward quite quickly in the outer aspect but obviously the institutionalized conditioned brain is still sort of apparent and it's not sort of being unraveled at the bottom what's really interesting about that is that I feel like men are quite threatened and they're just quite scared because actually give us all the tools too. Can you imagine how powerful we are? You know, like it is, it is that game of systematic oppression, isn't it? And just the way that we've been built for a long, 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 long time that male men who are white created is where it all started. So it's like, we were all put on this ladder of who has the best privileges and, you know, and then we go back to like stately stuff and where, you know, and this is the thing, it's like, Women weren't, um, I was reading statistics the other day, and like even some stuff still blows my mind how, um, oh, do you know what? I want to say it's 1992, but I know, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but like women were still deemed property of a man at that point. You know, in the UK, you were still allowed to by law and um, rape your wife. You were still allowed to in the 90s. Like in the 80s, you could still be refused from a bar if you were on your own because women weren't deemed to be drinking in a pub on their own. You know, that that could be a convert that could still happen. So I think that's still really close. But all that's happened is where we are connected by the Internet now and everybody can have a voice. We've encouraged the Me Too effect. So people feel that they can speak out and there's somebody else that will back them. And Black Lives Matter, like people feel that they, the, the minority, the, the, the micro can speak and they will be heard and there will be others. We're almost like in this domino effect, but actually it's like, as you were saying, it's like, where do we, 
where does that how do we sort of catch up in the school system because it's so outdated all of this makes you realize how it's so outdated it's literally like a game of capitalism and patriarchy you know and if that's what that is in a school system how do we like you know intervene that more like I'd love to help and support and I know loads of women in business like incredible mentors that would too and it's because it's damaging because you know it, it, it takes until somebody's 30 to maybe or 40 50 maybe to then wake up and challenge it and go actually no I shouldn't have been spoken to like that and I actually I have the capabilities and actually you know like there is more than this but as you say Zed like it's just interesting even when you just take one subject like history you know half the things you know when like when you start reading books you're like wow they missed out a half of history literally <laughs> like, I don't I think I don't I really wasn't really talk about any like I don't think we're taught about any really um incredible black people in history mm-hmm. 100% and then there's people who built the country you know who actually laid the foundations like the first humans that ever were you know it's just incredible how still that is still outdated and it's like that's the interesting conversation that I you know I think constantly needs to be challenged and as you say as well actually how they reward Mm -hmm. the system because again that's so damaging how shaming for a child to say you failed and that's a bad thing the failure is the best thing in business I've made the most money in my life by failing that's how we learn so it's like it still feels quite backwards Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work to be done, you know, where we're moving forward, but we're not moving at a fast enough pace. And I think that's where the question comes into play as what do we have to do to change society, not just mentality, but society as a whole. Uh, and I think being a person of color, I would love to know, like Melody and Kate, you guys have this extra barrier as well, right? When in this world, we know that being a person of color becomes a hindrance sometimes. And you, you kind of just get judged by the color of your skin, not by your skills and not by what you can provide and what you can give and what skills you have. That, do you guys feel like that's something you have dealt with in your life? And do you feel like it's something you've overcome? Um, that's a very multi-layered question, to be very honest. <laughs> I think um, I live in Dublin now, so I think I might have actually said this a million times, but I grew up in East London. Where I grew up in East London, I grew up around all black people and all ethnic minority people. And so it wasn't until learning about what race was, the invention of race, um, systemic racism. It wasn't until those moments that I actually realized I am black and this actually means something. And what Mm -hmm. this means is not necessarily a good thing. And I think sometimes in the age of social media, it can be very confusing because on the one hand, we are very hyper visible. I think we are very much accessible to people. People like to, people like the way we dress, the way we speak, the music that we make, just the way we look, people try to copy our aesthetics. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, so for example, if you look at the pay gap, you have white men, then you have, I think it's white women, then you have black men, and then you have black women, and then Absolutely. there's different people in between, but mm-hmm. we're definitely at the bottom. And I think that is even confusing because the perception of black women is like, oh yeah, she's a queen, she's powerful, she's gonna do the extra work, she's gonna stay till 6 p.m. when everybody else left at four. So we're recognized for being resilient, Nobody recognizes how exhausting that can be, but still we're not rewarded in the same way. And I feel like 
Oh, what was the last question you asked? I think you asked, has, do, you, do I think things have improved or what yeah. do you what do you do to overcome that barrier? Oh, overcome. That was the question. Um, yeah. I haven't. Simply, that's the, that's the only way I can put it. There is genuinely thinking about how much work there is to be done is mm -hmm. so tiring. And I know that it's difficult because overcoming my gender and my race is not even like two different struggles. They are intertwined and I can't separate them. Then when you add class, it's just a completely different conversation. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's my. That's me. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate the you know the frankness and I, just to kind of bring in a little honest opinion. Your any black woman I've met so far in my life has been such a strong, powerful character, and how difficult that's it is. Not a compliment. I know yeah, that I think it's a compliment, but yeah. it's not. But it it it, it feels like it's like just because you're that you have to do you have to live to a certain standard, right? It's it's that, and it's also just the idea that like when people want to describe black women in a positive light, it's always oh she's so strong. Yeah. It's like oh she's not kind, she's not warm, yeah. she's not pretty, she's strong, she's oh. independent, and it's like I'm actually very fragile and very lazy, mm -hmm. like, I'm not, <laughs> and I'm yeah. not resilient. Like I'm 100%. very breakable. Like, I understand, obviously, you don't mean any bad intentions, but it's just, like, sometimes it is just a bit... It is, I just want to be a person. Do you know what I, I mean? Stereotype, yeah. isn't it, Melody? And, yeah. and, you know, which... And and you can have positive attributes to a stereotype and negative attributes, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's still, um, you know, not, not necessarily reflective of who you actually are just because you're a woman or you're black or you're lower class or something. So I think that's, you know, I, I, yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> you know, I can definitely relate to what Melody is saying and it's not I don't know if there's a term for it when it comes to like race and gender but sort of like how companies do greenwashing it's kind of like an aspect of that we're not going to let the women be who they are and do what they want but rather we're just going to say actually you're a strong person and then we give them that characteristic and our oh, problem is solved we've called them strong so you know they should be happy about that now we don't want them to do what they want to do in their own aspect and I think that's where the problem lies um and personally from my personal experience I not really entered the business world yet to have um, the barriers affect me directly but I can tell you from example my aunt who's an HR manager in a company she's worked there for over 10 years and people come and go for about five years men come and go five years two years and they get promoted constantly and she's still sitting in that HR position she's gotten the qualifications she's gotten herself I forgot what the um, organization is for HR but she's gotten that qualification she's got it all she's doing implementing different strategies that make things better but she's been in the same position for 10 years not lack of trying not lack of asking but you know when she does ask you know different reasons come up and you kind of ask yourself why why what reasons are there that are preventing you from getting this promotion and it wasn't until the Black Lives Matter protests started coming up that suddenly they were like oh wait you've been here for a couple of years do, do you want a promotion you know it's just just that greenwashing yet again just putting yeah. that picture there just so that you've got a good aim, image but not actually doing things within the dna of the company to make actual changes that will benefit not just that person but everybody who comes in from then onwards 100 becomes like performative change really that's you know, it well it's, it's then it's tokenism isn't it it's so, all tokenism yeah. off the back of profiling off the back of trying again look like you're the great person and 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 so then you challenge the fact and i've been working with a business at the minute that are predominantly white and they truly want critical change 
and they're like we 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 know something's wrong here but we don't want to look like you know we don't want to create change to be in the place of tokenism we want to be we want critical change and that takes time it really takes a lot of unraveling and a lot of like work personally you know to really like question everything and do a lot of education on your own and I think this is what lets us down again it's because these companies it's just it's so easy for them to just look like they're doing something great but I, I definitely think there is movement like it's so interesting hearing what you were saying Melody and and I think you're absolutely right like you know as well because it, it is the other side too as a white person like I, I don't want to be you know um the white savior but I want to do something and it's like the but it is it's really it is it is really trying to figure out how we all move forward in this in the most critical like way in the most you know the most honoring way for everybody as you say you know like when somebody says I'm strong and I'm a hard worker that's such a that's such a compliment for me but that's how you've been profiled your whole life and you you, you basically the only reason black women have been like that because they had no other they had no other choice they were mm -hmm. right at the bottom they were below everyone just yeah. to survive that's why so it's like it is it is how do we move through this but I think the biggest thing is having conversation around it challenging it constantly and for when everyone feels like you know I think just I really hope by recording this for the university it just allows more people to feel heard more human mm. beings to just feel heard in their own story and that there are voices that are being listened to and it will get to a place where massive organizations will be found out and like you know it will be there will be fines quick you know I really hope so I really hope so no, maybe change the government <laughs> I think as well it's it's it is about kind of taking um some responsibility as you know as individuals and as um and taking kind of it is about empowerment and ownership so um you know I, so I'm mixed race so I'm Anglo-Indian so not only was I the only um so I was one of the as I say two percent of child surveyors um, we were women when I uh, when I first joined my first company so I was the only black person whether that was as a chartered surveyor or as an admin someone in a typing pool or um, you know some of the other kind of support staff shall we say so and I know for a fact having kind of once I was you know I worked there for a long time because I was training um, and I learned that the, the guy that employed me because this was pre-internet um, days so it was just a CV on his desk that he looked at and the only reason that I actually got an interview for that job was because my surname was was English, uh, as opposed mm. to it kind of it, it didn't give him a hint of the colour of my skin. And so when I did turn up to the interview, luckily there were only two of us. The other person was so appalling that uh, and they had to fill the they had to fill a a, a trainee post. So I was lucky enough at the time. I thought lucky um, to get the post. But of course, then it was certainly about merit. But it was, I was exactly as um, Katie described, you know, her auntie, you know, I was overlooked for promotion on too many occasions. And I knew I was, I knew I was better than certainly three of the people that were, were promoted over me. And I, it, and I just, I reached that point where I was like, do you know what? I'm the one who's got to do something about this because this organisation is not going to change. Certainly not within, you know, the time that I wanted to progress my career. So it was about stepping into my power and it, you know, don't get me wrong. It takes... You know, I couldn't have done it at 20. I, you know, I barely did it at 30. But um, it was very much that stepping into your confidence and sort of saying enough's enough. And sometimes it does take that. It does take yeah. that to sort of say, 
do you know what this is about me and if I don't change no one else is going to and, and that's really was for me you know I left and I you know kind of I did a lot more training and invested in myself to kind of understand that you know it you know we, sometimes we need to stand up and, and shout about ourselves and that's what I loved about the intro today at this podcast was that you know Melody you know was there sort of saying I've achieved this and I work for LinkedIn and how amazing is it and I think Laura said you know oh you know I've done this I've done that and, and she kind of almost dissed the fact that she worked for companies and got them a seven figure sum uh-huh. to, oh, that's boring bit no 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 that's an amazing achievement and you know, we as women have to shout. Isn't it funny? It's so true, you know, you say that. Because isn't yeah. it funny that you still feel as a woman yeah. there is a taboo around money? Gotta play it down. Gotta play you it have to. Down, yeah, yeah, that's bad of me. You're right. And it's so, yeah. so true. And like, you know, yeah. it's such interesting observation and it's very, very true, you know, because and in even, you know, isn't it funny how like automatically we're still conditioned that if you see a really wealthy man and a really wealthy woman, you think, who did she marry? And you think, what's mm. his business? You know, and again, it is like you say, it's just constantly challenging that status quo. But again, that comes from the place of we have to do that ourselves. And as however comfortable it feels, you should always feel like there's a space to talk and be loud and, you know, and, and, and stand in your power. And that's exactly it, isn't it? And like, you know, I just always want women to feel encouraged they can do it earlier and earlier and earlier. And I think that's why I'm so passionate around the skills of what kids get in school and at university time because it's so so you're so vulnerable there you know Mm -hmm. you you just think you almost create your limitations there I think when I look back it took me like so many years to unravel how I was shamed at school you know you wasn't I wasn't very good at that wasn't very good at that there's a balance though because Samantha spoke about um, Dr Patricia Lewis and god she's a fascinating woman and her research is just phenomenal but you know she'll be the first to say that you know, there's, there's, there's confidence, but, you know, you, as women and as black women and or as a disabled woman or as a gay woman, um, you will be challenged really quickly if you tip that balance. If that confidence, that confidence can very, very quickly be regarded by others as arrogance, whereas, you know, for men, they don't kind of, their, their scale is much higher. They can go way over uh, before they're called arrogant. But, um, you know, that intersectionality. So, so start first with women and then say a black woman or a disabled woman, um, you know, and, and so Patricia Lewis's research is, um, you know, and, it, and it's all from experience and it's, it, it's highly relatable. It's highly, and it is about us removing, us who are aware and who are trying to change things of removing the filters, like you said, don't look at a woman and think, oh, well, she must have married someone or, you know, what, what was her, why, why is she where she is, you know? And, and it's all about sending that elevator down as opposed to kind of crushing other women who are trying to scramble to the top because I've, mm-hmm. I've seen there. And 100%. I've, yeah. It's also about challenging others, isn't it? And I think, you know, we're in positions, you know, a lot of us where we can do that. And, you know, I'm trying to sort of encourage, you know, at Kent Business School in my new role, um, a culture change of that I think, equality and diversity is really strongly related to respect um and uh, you know if you can have notions of respect within um your organizational culture and within yourself then you know that those those issues will will easily become challenged and should become challenged so it's not just about sticking up for yourself but also you know that bystander work that uh, needs to be done and so that everybody can bring their authentic self to work and that's something I really believe passionately and across you know um, 
you know, not just uh, gender. And uh, and if you can, an organisation, this is a no-brainer for me. If you if if you could be your authentic self and, and bring everything to to work, then you're going to perform better. So you know, absolutely. It's absolutely what organisations, you know, I think any organisation to be successful will need to grapple with this. Um, because that sort of strategic edge is getting harder and harder to get because it, you know, things are so easy uh, cop to copy um, and uh, people is that I believe I'm a lecturer in HR so but you know people are, are the only way in which you're going to really truly succeed and unless you allow them to flourish you know um, and uh, and allow women to be women and bring those traits to the workplace and to their leadership roles then you know you're just not going to succeed as well as you could do 100 mm -hmm. i really appreciate all these amazing inputs and you know just hearing this has opened my eyes so much um i'm sure our listeners probably think the same um i think one massive thing is we're all human at the end of the day you know where regardless of our race or gender or sexuality you know anything we're still human and we're we're all just trying our hardest and are trying our best to achieve our dreams and that's something we have to kind of move towards and it, having these open conversations is such a good sign and makes my heart so warm to just think that we can have these conversations now that regardless of who we are what our background is whatever we can achieve whatever we want to achieve whatever we set our minds to you know and I really appreciate all of you guys thank you so much for joining me today um, and it's been such an amazing discussion. It's gone on a lot longer than I expected, uh, but it's just, it's been too good. Uh, so before I completely sign off, I would love for each and every one of you to give a small piece of advice to a woman, a girl who might be thinking about going into business, starting her business, something like that, you know, just to empower them and to provide our listeners with some invaluable advice. I'll start off with Melody. Um, I think the best advice I've ever gotten, and um, I think it was very helpful for me to hear it, is I was having a conversation about what I wanted to do in my future and what I wanted to do in my career. And I was telling this person, I should do this because this makes sense. And I should do this because I've done this and that makes sense. And then I said, but I also really want to do this. And what this person says to me was, that is the most interesting thing you've told me about yourself this whole conversation do what you want to do, do not do what makes sense because you think that's what you should do. I think as women, it is so easy to just try and stay in our little boxes because that's what the world expects of us and what we actually want is never really seen deemed as attainable or it's deemed as too much or I'm not the right person. So just to reiterate, I would say do what you want to do because you want to do it. Don't do things that make sense because they make sense, if that makes sense. 100%, thank you so much. Samantha? Oh, well, there's so much advice, isn't there? <laughs> I think if I had to do like a one strap line or if I was sort of talking to one of my students or my daughters, I'd say be confident in who you are and don't let anybody or any organisation bend you out of shape, you know, and, and to take that confidence with you, to be authentic and following on from what Melody says is, is do what you want to do not necessarily what you feel you should do and, yeah. and you'll always find the right path I think for you. Thank you so much for that. Deborah? Uh, so I would have probably said 
pretty much what Samantha said, but um, in view of the fact that she said it, which is brilliant, yay. Um, so mine would be celebrate the wins, no matter how tiny, celebrate the wins, because we don't want to hear all the negatives. You know, we all know, we, like uh, Laura said, there's always failure, but you learn from it, but celebrate the wins and um, yeah. 100%, thank you so much. And Kate? Um, I would say reflect and reevaluate on yourself and your own beliefs, because personally, um, irrespective of the people I had around me, I couldn't help but, um, you know, believe in some of the stereotypes about women and about black people. It was just what was put on me. So before you try and enter this world to make a change, look at your own self, what you actually think. Do you have any personal prejudices against um, women or against people of color and if you do try and educate yourself don't be ashamed that unfortunately you thought about that about yourself because it does happen um, but you know once you are aware of whatever issues you may have it's much easier for you to solve them and once you fixed yourself it's much easier for you to go into the world and make the changes that you want to make definitely thank you so much and finally Laura well, I think the biggest thing I would say and what I've learned over the last 10 years is, and what I've seen around other people building businesses and in businesses is a true, true place of where you'll find happiness and real fulfillment is working truly intrinsically. So don't look extrinsically. When you really are trying to figure out what you truly love, you're passionate about your purpose, just look inside yourself as opposed to being really try and shut down the noise. Don't don't idolize any extrinsic values that Instagram brings or social media brings or all of these like flashy stuff things bring like that. I promise you happiness is not there. Happiness is from what you truly care about every day. Like what triggers you to talk? What do you talk about in your spare time? What do you just really truly love? And, and I think that is a mixture of like all of you guys as well. But like that is that is I promise you where success flows in and people just live a happy life that isn't resentful and isn't bitter and they enjoy loving what they do every day. That's the biggest thing I could say. 100%. Thank you all so, so much. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out today and to come onto the podcast and give us some invaluable advice and I hope everyone listening enjoyed this episode and really learned something or at least you know found a new viewpoint that I didn't think of before so again thank you all so much ladies you have been amazing and it's been a pleasure speaking to you today you've been listening to Spill Divi thank you everyone (laughs) bye-bye thank you you. you. bye